Super Talk Mississippi media production. What is Moondog? Moondog Makers and Bakers is not just a catering company. It's blended tradition with innovation and something familiar just done differently. To get a taste of what they're truly all about, you can order some awesome merch, crafted spice blends, or request catering for your very own event. MoondogMakersandBakers.com. everybody good monday night glad to see you just give me one second here and uh, we'll really get started just want to share the show and do all that good stuff little out of schedule tonight yeah you know the super bowl kind of a big game was yesterday so <laughs> a little out of schedule and that's okay uh i will be back on wednesday night and then we'll get back to all the uh the regular deal so just give me one second here i'll get this out and uh when we'll get going so one second. I've also got the uh, the Pelicans up. We're only about 16 right now, which is pretty awesome. But y'all don't care about that. Except for Chris. Chris, if you're here, you care about that. We're up by 16. It's almost halftime. So, live right now. Boom. Let's go. All right. So, football season's over. There, there's your depressing news for the day. So, there's so much to talk about Super Bowl related. But that also means that uh, the season, football season, is over. Uh, I asked this cheesy question on Twitter, and maybe uh, it's a mistake for me to bring it up here because it didn't really get the responses I was hoping for. Not uh, not many, anyway. But I was simply uh, trying to ask, what's up? What's up? Glad to see you. Um, simply asking, now that football season's over, what will you remember the most about it? You know, just kind of a cheesy conversational question, whatever the case may be. Didn't really get all all that many answers, so maybe it was a stupid question on my part. But either way, um, here's mine. For whatever it's worth, uh, I'll I'll stick with college, though, not the NFL. The thing I will remember the most or appreciate the most, I should say, about this football season is that it was actually compelling from a quality of play perspective for both teams that we talk about the most around here in the state of Mississippi. That is what I will remember the most. How long has it been since Kyle goes Harson drama? Well, it's hard to beat that. Um, but uh, how long has it been since we had both teams in Mississippi that were competitive at the same time like this? Now, you know, State went to the Liberty Bowl. It, not ideal. Like, that's not the end goal. But still, I mean, State went to College Station and won. Uh, they went to Auburn and were down twenty-eight to three and won. Uh, so there was there was that there. They go to a bowl game. Ole Miss, of course, goes to the Sugar Bowl, wins ten games. It had been since when? Since we had both teams that that we cover around here that was just football, you know, good football, compelling, interesting, competitive. Real, you know, instead of talking about coaching changes, which we will hear in a little bit, I think, if we've got time, if you guys are interested from the basketball side of things. Excuse me, but um, this year, this year it was real. 
you know, we got to talk about the teams because they were actually good, and that's all it was. I mean, yeah, we had some drama, like with Ole Miss going to Knoxville and Lane Kiffin get golf, getting golf balls thrown at his head. I mean, that, you know, was a, a bit of a sideshow, but it wasn't one that was created around here. It was actually, you know, back to normalcy and compelling. That is what I will appreciate the most about this season now that it's over. Oh, and by the way, the NFL playoffs, this was the best playoff in total in my lifetime. Super Bowl was good. Not great. I gave it a B-plus on the radio show today. Close game. You know, you had a game-winning drive from Matt Stafford late. Burrow had a chance to get back. Um, I'm fine with the play calling up until the fourth down play call on the Bengals' possession. There's no way you could have thought you were going to have enough time uh, especially with the way Donald was playing in the second half. But either way, you had a close game. It was down to the wire, stars making plays, B-plus game. But the playoffs were, I mean, A-plus through the roof. I mean, just incredible. So uh, anyway, there you go. My name is Michael Vorky, by the way. I'm glad to see you guys while you're here. Don't forget to like the video if you're watching on YouTube. Don't forget to like the video while you're here. And uh, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. And follow on Twitter and Facebook under all of this under the same name. Michael Borky is all you have to search to uh, to find me literally anywhere. Just search my name because I am not clever enough to come up with anything better. Also, uh, wherever you get your podcast, subscribe there and you will find it uploaded there. So here we go. Uh, the end of the Tennessee game. You know, it's kind of funny that you bring that up. Because I was having, like, uh, internal conflict with myself. Because I thought, for example, that after the fans were throwing the stuff on the field, the game should have been called. I don't think that the the referees, the SEC, should have let the two teams come back on the field and play. I think they should have ended the game because it was an atmosphere of violence, relatively speaking. I mean, they were literally throwing bottles and golf balls and whatever they could find mustard at the Ole Miss team and the officials in a violent manner. And I thought that should have ended the game. But also, the celebrations on 16 at the Waste Management this weekend, uh, I thought was some of the coolest things I've ever seen in sports because of what it is, because it's golf. And so you had a bunch of people throwing beer and stuff on a golf hole, and I thought it was awesome. But in Knoxville, I thought it should have ended the game. So I was having some like internal conflict. Um, and what I decided was, in order to not be a hypocrite, it's good when it's celebratory or it's tolerable when it's celebratory. It's bad when it's with intent to harm. So that's how I rationalized it in my head to, uh, to make, make my take on the golf thing less bad. So William says the three weeks of close games by Ole Miss in October. You know who won that or what won that defense? When was the last time you've been able to say that? Wayne says, good evening. Glad to see you, Wayne. Glad to see you, man. Glad you're with me. Francis Howland needs to go hire Rick Pitino or Sean Miller and get the ball rolling with the renovations of the hump and change the seating arrangement. It's time to win. Yeah, so we can get into that right now if you'd like. Um, this is the end, right? It has to be. It has to be. One way or the other, whether it was floated to me earlier today that 
I say floated to me. It's not like I had a source that was telling me this. Just it was in conversation. Somebody asked if he's going to retire at the end of the year. And that would be an amicable way to go if Mississippi State does not make the tournament, which, by the way, seems incredibly unlikely. I would bet against it, and all of you would do the same. Uh, It needs to end one way or the other. Barring a miraculous run that is not going to happen where they win all of their games to close the season and they, like, make it to Saturday in the SEC tournament, if that happens, then sure, whatever, You, you know, keep Keep your job and keep them on. That's not going to happen, though. So when that does not happen, when that ends, this needs to end. Because this team and who they have on this team is too talented, way too talented to be where they are and be in this position. And how many times have you said that under Ben Howland? It's been too much. It's it's frankly been way too much. And that team two years ago... um, definitely, definitely should have been better than what their record said. He is able, he's a good recruiter, but for whatever reason, the teams aren't performing. The The split needs to happen at the end of this year, regardless of what happens. And Fred, I'm with you. You know, you know me by now. Um, I would go Miller over Patino because as far as I know, and I could, I could be wrong. I could be missing something. Um, there are things about Patino that I would have a harder time stomaching. Honestly, I'd hire them both. I, I would. I would hire them both. Do you want to win games? Yes or no? If, if the answer is yes, then hire somebody that will win games. We're, we're not winning a morality contest, right? It's not who can have the best person as head coach. And I'm not saying you shouldn't go try to find good people. I'm not saying that. I, I, it would be great if every really good coach was also a really good person and leader of young people that would lead them to great heights personally, on and off the court. But sometimes that's not always the case. And we know what this business is. It's a wins and a loss business and nothing else. Graduation rates, community service, all that stuff is great when you're winning. If you're losing, that does not matter. Hello, Mark Richt. So do you want to win? Yes or no? Well, if the answer is yes, then I would hire both. I would consider hiring both of these people. But Rick Pitino's got stuff that I, I would have a hard time stomaching in his past. His scandal is not just paying players related. He's got other stuff going on that I don't know if if John Cohen would stomach. And I would understand and respect that decision. Sean Miller is somebody that I would hire in a heartbeat. I would hire him in a heartbeat. I wouldn't touch Greg Marshall. I, I Somebody floated the name Greg Marshall today. I wouldn't do that either because... There's a stark difference between, again, Sean Miller and Greg Marshall. Sean Miller's players got paid. Marshall's story is a little bit different. Rick Pitino's players got paid, but his story is a little bit different than that of Miller. So that's somebody, if I were John Cohen sitting in my office, if he's still at his office at 8 o'clock at night, I've got my list ready, and Sean Miller's on it. Knowing John Cohen, he'll probably also look into like the successful mid-major route. Uh, that seems like it would be the most likely hire, probably a name that none of us are really familiar with. Like I could give you a hot board, I suppose, but I don't know what good that would be until a decision is made. However, um, I think John Cohen would be crazy not to use whatever search firm they hire 
to dig deep into Sean Miller, and he would be my first candidate. Because like I say on the radio, I've said it seven times on the radio now. I'll say it here again with you for like the third time here with you. What Sean Miller will do if you hire him is recruit really good players, and he will win with those really good players. And the things that Sean Miller did wrong at Arizona are legal now, as long as you take one additional step, just instead of using a shoe company to funnel money to the players or whatever it may be, get local car dealership to do it for you, and you're all good. Paying players is literally legal, allowable by state law in Mississippi. I would hire Sean Miller. He'd be my candidate number one. But regardless, if the season ends the way it's likely going to end where state does not make the NCAA tournament, if it doesn't happen, this needs to end. Because fan apathy is remarkable. I'm shocked. I I say I'm shocked. I will be shocked by the next home crowd in Starkville. Friday night, it's going to be ugly, brutal. Uh, So fan apathy is there. There's no interest in the program. There's no belief in the direction of the program. It'll eventually spill into recruiting. It will. Although Howland's good at that, it will spill into that because there's deep uncertainty with the program. It's time to restart. And you know me by now, that's where I'd restart. Kyle, on the, uh, what do you remember most, the rise of the SEC. And, buddy, the SEC's not going anywhere. (laughs) It's only going to get stronger, which is crazy, but it is. The Pirate says, I guess uh, Coach Yo figured out she didn't run the sip. She should be careful when she pops off at the the mouth. Yeah, you know, if, if you're going to talk like that, you better perform. Same thing with Eli Apple. You guys remember Eli Apple and how he just roasted every stop. Guy from New Jersey talking about New Orleans and smelling bad. You're from New Jersey, bro. The whole state's like that, sort of. There's actually some nice parts of New Jersey. but um, And the food not being good and ripped New York and former T. I mean, just was all over. Just talking, talking, talking. Just doing a bunch of this. Just talking. And calling people out. And if you're going to do that, you better play. And you better play really well. What is the uh, the old expression? You, you better not write a check your tush can't cash. And buddy, Eli Apple could not cash that check. And he got toasted. And now everybody is roasting him for it. Roasting him for it. Justifiably so. Uh, I mean, what an idiot. If you're going to talk, you better be able to walk. Same thing with uh, with Coach Yo. Can't believe, um, can't believe that didn't work out. If you're going to talk, you better be able to walk afterwards. I, I appreciate confident people, confident coaches, and confident players. What are you supposed to say when people are like, "Don't give Alabama locker room or bulletin board material"? When you say you think you can win the game, like that's not bulletin board material. I think we can win isn't bulletin board material. That's stupid. That's just confidence. But that crossed over from confidence to whatever you want to call that. And if you're going to talk like that, you better win. If not, it's going to get thrown right back at you, and we've uh, we've seen that. Yeah, Fred, I agree. He says, uh, Ben Howland did a great job of getting off the Rick Ray runway. It's tough to say. Rick Ray runway. Rick Ray runway. <laughs> the plane took off, but it has now been an autopilot for a couple of years. That plane is starting to tilt downwards. Time for a change. T says the Super Bowl was uh, rigged for Stafford. 
If that was the case, though, then there would have been a flag called when Ramsey got his face mask pulled on that touchdown. I am a. Then T says the Casey Bills was the real Super Bowl. It was a more entertaining game. I'll give you that. Memphis Rebel says, will Keith's decision whether or not to fire Kerm affect his decision on Bianco? No, I think they're they're separate. I could be wrong about this. I, I just I don't foresee a scenario in which Kermit Davis will lose his job this year. I don't see that happening. But here's the issue. And I was talking with somebody about this today as well. Here's the issue with Ole Miss. Last year, they couldn't score. I think we talked about this last time. So forgive me for being repetitive. But last year, they couldn't score. It was a bad offensive basketball team. In the portal, they added a center. A good one. Nasir Brooks is good. And Jamin Brakefield, who has some talent, but isn't helping you at all scoring-wise. And then you get a transfer from Georgia who couldn't score at Georgia and now is struggling to score at Ole Miss. That's what you added in the portal last year. So you took a bad scoring team, added those three guys and a true freshman, and expected to elevate your offense. And when it didn't happen, this is what you get. Yes, they've been injured, and injuries have certainly hurt this team, but they were struggling before the injuries happened. Let's be honest. It wasn't a good team before they started getting hurt. Now it's just shining a magnifying glass at the depth issues that they have now acquired. Are you? My question is, are you just delaying the inevitable by giving them another year? I think it's a fair question. Uh, I don't know what the answer is, but I, I think it's absolutely fair to ask, is the inevitable being delayed by just giving it another year? Because they've got to hit home runs in the portal. They have got to add another big, in the portal because Brooks is a one-and-done at Ole Miss anyway. He's not a one-and-done in life. He's like 25. Um, and you've got to get scoring. You've got to get people that can help you distribute and score the basketball because they're struggling at point guard, uh, and they can't score the basketball, not with consistency. So you've got to add scores in the portal. You have got to hit multiple home runs in the transfer portal, and so far you have not seen the ability to do that. So are you just delaying the inevitable? I think that's a fair question uh, right now. He's going to get that opportunity. I, I don't foresee a scenario in which Kermit Davis will lose. I don't see it, especially after um, the injury situation ha- has now piled up to a point of unsustainability. But are we just going to be having the same conversation next year? Portal is huge. Fred says, Doug Novak, the next MSU men's basketball coach. At least I can tell what they're doing on offense. The Pirate, I don't think you would. The Pirate saying, I will take Kerm Davis at Mississippi State. No, you would not. I don't think so. Because if, if you go look at here, I'll just tell it. I don't know it off the top of my head. But this record over four years at Mississippi State is not something that you guys would accept because this is worse than Halland. He's 63 and 53 and 30 and 35 in SEC play. In four years, he's 10 games games above 500 and five below 500 in conference play. Went 20 and 13, 15 and 17, 16 and 12, and now they're 12 and 11. 10-8 10-8 and eight in the conference, 6-12, and 10-8, and, and now they're going to finish below 500. 
it's not something you would accept. At all. Which one of Rick Pitino and Sean Miller fits Ole Miss or State better? <laughs> what a question. Um, Rick Pitino, you hope, doesn't fit anywhere. I, 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 I don't even want to entertain the idea of Rick Pitino fitting at either place because you don't want to admit that a sleaze bag like that fits at your school. That's a hold your nose and just win type type hire. Um, I don't know. Sean Miller strikes me as more Ole Miss than State for some reason. I don't know why. God, he's a sweater too, isn't he? <laughs> you guys have seen those pictures. Um, Fred says John Cohen hasn't been to many men's or women's basketball games. I wonder if he, like you guys, just doesn't care. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, he does have, though. I mean, he's got decisions to make. I think it's a very easy decision for him to make, though, to tell you the truth. Memphis Rebel. Unfortunately, I don't think you're going to get this opportunity, but you say if uh, Ole Miss fires Kermit and hires Sean Miller, will he become another Kiffin in terms of fans rivaling schools saying he'll just leave right away? I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. Basketball's a little bit different anyway, but there are some places, well, but you're seeing it right now with Kiffin. Uh, Sean Miller doesn't have the track record that Kiffin has, whether you think it's fair or unfair of leaving places, of having the wandering eye. It, we've seen so far at Ole Miss that Kiffin still has a wandering eye. Has he acted on it? In part, no, but also he has not been given those opportunities. I don't think Sean Miller would float his name to the media, which is what's going on for every job that comes open in basketball. I really don't. You don't see as much power five, power five movement in college hoops as you do in football. And no, I don't think you would engage in that the same way Kiffin does. Lane's a very unique person when it comes to that. His name is floated in every job, even ones that he knows he's not going to take or not going to want, that his name still gets floated out there for those jobs. It's a great way to build one's individual brand for sure. But that is interesting. You haven't seen Cone at one ladies basketball game all year. Hmm. I wonder why. Yeah, Larry, I agree. Kermit's going to get another year. I, I think that's definitely um, guaranteed. No, I didn't see where Ty Malone had a stolen base, but my, <laughs> I would fear for my life if I was a catcher and, and that dude's rounding third coming for home. I know you can't like just barrel the catcher over anymore, but you try to block the plate against that dude and tell me how that's going to end for you. Who's gone first, Bianco or Kermit? Uh, Kermit. You guys might think I'm crazy, and you State fans are going to think I'm crazy. I think this Ole Miss team this year will actually meet expectations. I know, I know, I know the sample size, the 22-year sample size says that you should not trust them, and it, you know, it's inevitable that they're going to be a good regular season team and then they're going to get to the postseason and something's going to go wrong. They've been to Super Regionals each of the last... They've been to Game 3 of the last two Super Regionals. Um, they're close, and I think they have the lineup now with the experience to actually make that kind of noise. I, I think that they might actually do that this year. 
Um, and I see the basketball program in a tailspin. I could be wrong. I would like to be wrong. I, I That's what I see. Is it Omaha or bust? No, I don't think it's that simple. Because, like, what happens if, you know, Derek Diamond or whoever, you know, gets hurt and you lose a starting pitcher or two, and then Tim Elko, God bless him, I hope this doesn't happen, tears another ACL. You know, it's it's not always that simple. But let, let's say they get bounced in a regional, I think it's done. If they go to a super and aren't competitive, I think it, it's also possibly done. I don't know if it's Omaha or bust, but it's um, there's more nuance to it than that. But yeah, if they get bounced in a regional, it's over. If they go 0-2 in a super, it still might be. But I mean, here here's the problem. Here's the problem that Keith Carter's got, guys, is Ole Miss fans keep buying tickets. It, it's hard to financially invest in the buyout of a coach of a sport that doesn't make money when you're breaking records in season ticket sales. That's what's so fascinating about this situation. I get that question all the time. Is it Omaha or bust? Omaha or bust? And how could it be when you've just broken a record in ticket sales? You just A sport that doesn't make money at Ole Miss, and, and State does a little bit as well. Ole Miss makes a little bit on baseball, depending on the year. Very little. Um, it just, the sport just doesn't make money. But they broke a record in season ticket sales this year. So when when I'm told that the fan base is mad and that they're ready for change and all that, if you're ready for change, you're not showing it. Because here's how you show it. You don't show up. That's how you show it. That's how state basketball fans are showing John Cohen they want to change. They don't show up. That That's what's so interesting about this is if Ole Miss fans are mad and they want to change in their program and they're just done with it, then why did you just break a record and seize the ticket sales? If it's really do or die for, for Bianco, if the fans are really so mad at Bianco and, and you want him gone and are mad that he interviewed with LSU and all this stuff, then, again, why was a record broken in season ticket sales? So if you're Keith Carter, it's like, well, shoot, this sport doesn't make money, or it shouldn't, but we do. Am I really going to risk making a change? You guys are making that decision harder on him than if if that the financial side of it wasn't so stable and strong. Fred says, one Omaha appearance in 22 years for Bianco, three Omaha trips and a natty for Lamonis. Bianco's gone if he can't get to Omaha unless they're on a 25-year plan. Yeah, Lamonis being so successful the way he has is not helping things at all because um, you can use the scholarship excuse – with uh, with Vanderbilt, although I think NIL is helping level that scholarship playing field some. Um, but yeah, uh, Chris Lamonis being as successful as he's been is shining a magnifying glass in Oxford. Oh God, he's jinxing it again. T says, "Yeah, I, I'm sorry. You you can put February 14th, literally Valentine's Day. You can point back to me." if and when they lose in a regional or whatever, because I said on February 14th, I think this team is equipped to make that deep run that people have been waiting for for eight years. They can actually 
do it this year and it's my fault if they don't. You, you could bring that right back to me, I promise. Memphis Rebel, I think it's retiring. That's what I think. I don't think it'll be a full-on termination. I think it's retiring when that day does come. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that works out with uh, with Drew McDaniel starting on Sunday. I don't think it's set in stone. And of course, I mean, I don't think you think it is either. Uh, I don't think it's set in stone. I think they're going to mess around with the pieces a little bit to see what works and what doesn't because there's so much unknown uh, with their starting pitching that they're going to kind of mix and match a little bit for for a while, I think. Uh, No, Fred, I don't. I I actually think... um, Unless the NFL comes calling, I think for for better or for worse, I think Lane Kiffin is stuck at Ole Miss for a little bit. Because here's the thing. How many better jobs? just Just think out loud with me here. And I would say the same thing about Mike Leach, by the way. How many better jobs than the one Lane Kiffin's currently got should slash will come open in this offseason, this coming offseason? How many? And then the next layer to that, just like I was talking about, you know, during coaching KSL silly season a few months ago, if you if you guys were listening to me then or, or watching the streams or listening to the radio show, I kept trying to tell people because every time I'd get all oh, Kiffin to LSU, it's done. No, it's not. He may want the job, but a coach leaving a school is a two way street. He's got to have somewhere to go, and this cycle. There are jobs that were open that Lane Kiffin would have taken. No doubt about it. But they didn't offer him those jobs. And so this coming cycle, when you look at the season that's coming up and what coaches are on the hot seat and where those jobs are, which ones are better than that of Ole Miss today? Which ones? Who in the SEC is on the hot seat? I mean, I think the closest, the closest to it, not named Brian Harson, which they kept him. Um, the the closest to it, besides Harson, is possibly Mike Leach in terms of hot seat. But even that's not really a conversation worth having. But roll out of six and six and five and seven with another loss to Ole Miss and tell me the fans will accept that. I had people on Twitter try to tell me that. Oh, we don't measure our seasons with Ole Miss. Yeah, if you go 6-6 six and six and lose to Ole Miss, come back to me and tell me that you, that you will be just fine with that. Truthfully, you won't. So let's not kid ourselves. Then maybe something gets weird. But in the SEC, there isn't one. There isn't one. Maybe Auburn. Um, and you say Drinkwitz or Jimbo can be on the hot seat. Jimbo's not. He's got a $90 million contract. He's got undeserved fan capital. Um, yeah, there's a demand for him to win soon, but he, he's got fan capital there that he just got, he simply doesn't deserve, but he's got it. Um, but regardless, it's not coming happen. Or it's not coming open, not in the SEC. So in the ACC, what objectively better jobs at Ole Miss will come open? Possibly Florida State, possibly. But they also have to want him too. So there's one. And the Big Ten, what job's going to come open? None that are better than Ole Miss anyway. Big 12, what job's going to come open? Oklahoma just hired a coach. Texas is in year two under Sark. Other than that, no better job. 
In the Pac-12, what job is going to come open that is better than Ole Miss? They just got, or at UCLA, they just extended Chip Kelly. So that's the thing. I think I think he's kind of stuck for it, whether he wants to be there or, or he's looking to get out on the first train out of town. Pun intended. I think he's stuck. Larry says Ole Miss is also investing in expanding Swayze Field. Bianco going nowhere. Get bounced in a regional. And I disagree with that sentiment. I know that for sure. I'm very confident in that. That would be good news for Diamond, Memphis Rebel. He's, I mean, he's a uh, very important piece to that team. If he does not perform to expectations, uh, then they're they're not going to achieve that goal. I think they will. But Memphis Rebel says, uh, I've heard Diamond took some ticks off his fastball to be 82 or 88 92 to try to be a pitcher instead of a thrower. Command is very important for him. So that would be a good sign. William says, Auburn worries you. The thing about Auburn, though, is they fancy themselves better than everybody else. Would they, would they even go down the Kiffin Road? I mean, possibly. But, and also, would he take that job? Because it's going to be a dumpster fire. It already is. It's going to be one. They couldn't find anything with Arson. You think? I mean, just thinking out loud, you think Lane Kiffin wants somebody digging into his personal life? I don't. So, if he has a disappointing season, that would it that would scare me if I were taking that job and I had any kind of not great thing in my past. Any kind I wouldn't touch that job. Wait, you're telling me that I'm shit. If I if I go to the Birmingham Bowl, you guys are going to start investigating my private life and then leaking untrue rumors to the media about my private life. I'm good. I'm I'm good here. I mean, they they wrecked a young woman's career just to try to fire Brian Harson with cause. Think about when that girl's name gets googled now. What's going to happen? She will always be tied to. Football coach's affair. That was not true. Ruined this girl's career. I wouldn't touch that. T says, uh, I think Leach is out before Kiffin. Memphis Rebel says, in 10 years, where do you see Kiffin coaching? A blue blood program or NFL? I said on the radio uh, last week that I think NFL is where he's going. I think that's where he's going to. I think that's the next step is uh, is NFL. His lifestyle strikes me as more of an NFL coach. Like he can get away with a lot of what he get away with at Ole Miss because Ole Miss is not a tier one job. And I think you guys would all agree with that. And he's got university leadership, including the athletic director, that doesn't care as long as he wins. They don't care if he's going to the country club and playing golf with the boosters and, uh, you know, kissing babies and shaking hands and always seen around town and shopping at the local boutique and all that stuff. He, he's just not that guy. They don't care at Ole Miss that he's not that guy. They're cool with him taking the private jet to the Bahamas with his girlfriend or, or tweeting pictures from L.A. while the other coaches are in their towns. You know, They don't care about that because as long as you win, I don't, I don't give a shit where you, where you are. It's not like that at most places. 
his lifestyle is more conducive to an NFL coach than it is college. Chase, I agree. To some to some degree, I agree with you. He says, I don't understand the fire Bianco crowd for who he consistently gets to Super's annual top 15. But Ole Miss invests more in baseball than what they get out of it. That's the counter argument. They spend more on it than most people. They have more fan support than most people. And they aren't getting the return on their investment. They are getting a return on their investment, but not an adequate one. It, it They don't match. Financially, they are as invested as anybody in the country. And yet they don't get anybody in the country results. And after 22 years, that gets old. Good is good for a short amount of time. If good is not becoming great, you get sick of good. Just kind of how it is. Eli, I guess Eli Drinkwitz could be on the hot seat, I suppose. I guess he could. Um, I think the list would extend beyond Gonwood and, and um, you say Louisville's coach, um, Dan McDonald, but that would be the first two phone calls, I bet. And Tyler, you're right. I mean, he built the program. He built it to what it is. Sometimes you can be the enemy of your own success. Are people saying that Mississippi State has the toughest schedule in college football this year? That's interesting. Let's see. I don't know if I'd agree with that. I don't know if I would agree that Mississippi State has the toughest schedule in college football. Let's see. I'm just going to pull up SEC just for the heck of it, but I, I don't. If I remember correctly, I thought South Carolina had it tougher. Let's see. Hmm. Is South Carolina's, let me share this with you guys. Is South Carolina's schedule tougher than that? Or is there any schedule in the SEC tougher than Mississippi State's? Quick glance at this. Um, Florida's isn't easy. Uh, Georgia. Georgia has a tougher schedule than Mississippi State. I remember this now. Georgia opens with Clemson. They have UAB, which is not the easiest non-conference. Now, they do get East Road Games at Vanderbilt. And, well, that's it. I mean, Tennessee's a tough place to play. So they get a break with going to Vanderbilt. And South Carolina, you know, is a game that they should win. And Missouri's a game that they should win. But in the non-conference, they have two Power 5 teams and UAB with road trips to Tennessee and Auburn. Is that tougher then Louisiana to oh, oh my god I'm such an idiot I'm so stupid I'm so just don't oh my god that's embarrassing we're just going to move on that was last year's schedule very stupid very stupid but yeah i mean look if they go to it's not necessarily about record to me like 
if it's seven and five with a win uh, against Ole Miss, fans are going to be excited or at least content. But are you guys going to be okay with losing to Ole Miss three years in a row? It's a Yeah, Chase, I mean, you say you can't do that, but I think you can. Chase, I know it's hard when you're up the road is on the short list of the sport's most elite, elite programs, but you can't let that cloud that Bianco is always consistently fielding very good teams. But here's the thing, man. I mean, state fans don't like when I say this, but it's true. What does Mississippi State have that Ole Miss does not have at least comparable? Yes, Mississippi State Stadium is newer and bigger and nicer. But how many stadiums, if that's what you're going to use, are nicer, bigger, how many atmospheres are better in the country than that of Ole Miss? I mean, seriously. Yes, again, Duty Noble is, is new and nicer and, and all that and bigger. I understand that. What I'm saying is how many other programs in college baseball can offer what Ole Miss can offer and does offer? It's a tiny list. Mississippi State's on that list. So is LSU and others. Vanderbilt with scholarships and whatnot. But how many programs can offer the investment into baseball that Ole Miss has invested? That answer is very few. And the scholarship thing gets debunked when you've got Mississippi State doing what they're doing. They're, I mean, you guys are in the same state. It's the same thing. So, yeah, they have a nicer stadium, but that doesn't set the program over the edge in Starkville. It's not the stadium that makes the program better. It's the coach and the players on top of the investment across the board of facilities and and stuff like that and fan support. But Duty Noble Field is not why Mississippi State is a good baseball program. If they never build the new one, if they never build the new one, they're still where they are. I think people put too much stock in what a stadium does for a program. It's it's great for the fans. It's very nice. It's a good atmosphere. But do you think a new stadium is what set you over the national championship edge? I disagree with that completely. It's program culture and, and leadership and yes, investment with facilities and stuff like that. But I just I, I don't agree with with that. A stadium doesn't make all the difference, or it shouldn't. It doesn't at all. So they're they're comparable places, but one's a hell of a lot more successful than the other. Coaching, culture, stuff like that, I think, is the difference. Stuff like that is, I think, is the is what I think the difference is. My predictions of the SEC West in baseball. What teams make it to home? Oh, I don't know. Um, no, I, I will. If we had a baseball media day, which we don't, I would have put State to finish first in the West. I would have put Ole Miss second, Arkansas third, LSU fourth. And then you can fill in the rest how, uh, however you want. Um, that's That would have been mine. I think we know the most about Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Uh, we know more about Ole Miss's lineup than we do states. Uh, I think we know a little bit more about state on the mound than we do Ole Miss, at least from from one starter in particular. 
Uh, I know he's making a transition, but it doesn't matter to me. Uh, we know the most about these two programs uh, than really anybody in the SEC. Um, that lineup for Ole Miss one through nine, I mean, that that there's no excuse for that team to not be top 10 team all season long um, and nationally competitive with what they have returning. So, yeah, it would have been state one, Ole Miss two, Arkansas, LSU, Texas A&M, Auburn, Alabama. Or Alabama, Auburn. Uh, Julian, they are here, but it's not prospects because you, you do baseball recruiting. I mean, kids are committing when they're freaking 14 years old, you know? So it's not going to help in recruiting, but it are not right away. Um, it will down the road help you level the playing field with scholarship stuff. I think because you do have this state where local businesses and people want to give money to baseball players. And that will help offset the differences in scholarship that they have for Vanderbilt. So um, it'll help eventually. But the guys that are committed to your program are like four years out, three years out committed. But it will help eventually. It will because you will actually get an NIL money here. Would the coach at Furman in basketball, I assume you're asking, be interested in state? Yes, absolutely. It's an upgrade. Uh, No doubt about it. It's an upgrade. And he's done a hell of a job. it's no doubt an upgrade. It's an upgrade in pay and winning ability and notoriety and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Long week already. It's fine. I know, man. That was so embarrassing. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. But yeah, that was, uh, that was brutal. I was up late watching the Super Bowl last night, which uh, was in the title. We were going to talk about that a little bit. I had a take about Stafford's legacy. Um, in the halftime show, but whatever, we don't have to get to that. Um, everybody saw it. <laughs> what do you mean? Nobody saw it. Everybody saw it. You all saw it. Some moose soup for dinner. Ben, that sounds interesting. I've never had moose before. I've seen a moose in the wild though. One of the coolest experiences of my life. I went to Alaska when I was 14. Um, power ranking and animals that I saw in Alaska. Killer whale, like on my ceiling. Humpback whale, slightly below it. Moose, slightly below it. And then it was a drop off before everything else. Moose are like a majestic, like mythical creature when you see them in the wild. They are awesome. Can't believe you're eating one. Ben can't wait for baseball season. I hear you. NIL will eventually, I think, take away the scholarship bar, uh, argument. Not yet, but. Way too much stock. As long as you're winning, who cares? And if you're losing in a nice stadium, who cares? Exactly. See, stadiums and stuff are mostly built for fans. Mostly. Um, and in some stadiums are so bad, they just like the hump, for example, just needs a renovation because it's so bad. It's actually like a detriment to the program. But the old duty noble was not that like, yeah, it was old and had its unique quirks and stuff. Uh, but building the new one is not why the program just won a national championship. That's not why that happened. Because the atmosphere was already one of the nation's best before they did that. Chase makes a good point. As far as the Leach question, I don't care if he beats Ole Miss. I need to see better. 
The Mullen model was beat who you're supposed to, split your toss-ups, and steal one you shouldn't. If Leach makes it back to that, I don't care who the wins are against, but I need to see the progression from year two to three that we saw from one to two. Ole Miss is just better right now. It's very fair. Is Stafford a Hall of Fame quarterback? Now we can talk about Super Bowl. Um, I think he will be one. Now, if he retired today, that's a different question. But so many people spent the day talking about Stafford's legacy and and has has he changed or has the Super Bowl win changed what you thought about Matt Stafford was a question I heard today. And my answer is no. My answer is no, because I had a really high opinion of Matt Stafford when he was in Detroit. I thought that he was surrounded by complete and total incompetence. And that was the only reason why he wasn't more successful as a quarterback in terms of winning postseason games was because of the sheer incompetence that he was surrounded by. Uh, I mean, Detroit, in his time there, fired their only successful coach for reasons God knows why. The roster wasn't good enough, was going in and out of coaches. He also got hurt in there, too. But he was surrounded by incompetence. And despite that incompetence, he put up numbers and the right kind of numbers, not just passing yards, but like game-leading fourth-quarter drives. He's like top five in football history in that category. He's one of the best fourth-quarter quarterbacks in the history of professional football. He was doing all of that while at Detroit. So uh, Stafford, to me, was like, uh, I guess, Marino, where he hadn't won a Super Bowl. He hadn't really had playoff success, but I just I held him in such high regard because of the incompetence around him. If you switched places with he and Tom Brady, I, I don't think the teams would have flipped Super Bowls either. I mean, Brady, for the elevation that he provided for his teams and the players around him getting better because of Brady's existence, he also had great organizations and very good coaches and competent roster building to work with. New England didn't provide him a bunch of stars. He had to elevate New England. But, I mean, Bill Belichick, let's let's not do the whole Brady is the reason why Belichick's good. Stop that first-take nonsense. Bill Belichick's a very good coach. They had competent rosters. Very good defenses. Tampa Bay has a great roster, top to bottom. I mean, just great roster. Arians is a good coach. Leftwich is a good coordinator. Brady has always had competence around him. If you throw him in Detroit and have him deal with what Stafford dealt with, he's not winning that many Super Bowls. He's not winning seven. No shot. So now that he's gone to L.A. and showed everybody what he's capable of with competence around him, People are already doing the, oh, he can only win with a super team. Whatever the hell that means. What What's the last Super Bowl winning team that didn't have great line play and great wide receivers and great coaching? I, who, what Super Bowl team didn't have all of those factors? So it, it's, it's nonsense. But no, my opinion of Stafford hadn't changed at all because I always thought that he was Super Bowl winning quality quarterback in his fourth quarter yesterday and his fourth quarter in the playoffs this year really all season, he's been perfect, basically perfect. 14 to 0 touchdown to interception ratio, like 72% completions. He was perfect when it mattered the most. I think that with a few more years of playing at this level, Matt Stafford belongs in the Professional Football Hall of Fame because he has been that good and people aren't giving enough credit to the disaster that he was surrounded by. There you go. Not a newcomer for Ole Miss, Ben, but Kemp Alderman. 
Kemp Alderman, I think, will take a step forward. So you probably have heard of him, but I think that's going to be somebody that will be uh, more impactful. So, yeah, and the beauty of Mississippi State's schedule is so you do get Memphis at home. I don't expect them to lose that game. The problem is you trade Vanderbilt for Georgia. That sucks. You hate that because Vanderbilt's an auto win and Georgia is is just not. Um, you should win the Memphis game. Uh, your non-conference Power 5 game got easier. Yes, I know State beat NC State last year, but Arizona's worse. Despite it being on the road, that'll be a weird atmosphere. Not many people there, you know, out west. It'll be weird, but they're not as good of a team for sure. I expect LSU to be better. That road game at Kentucky is pivotal for State. Kentucky's going to be quite good. They're bringing basically everybody back. Um, no, I think seven and five with a win over Ole Miss with that schedule, I think would be a success. Seven and five, regardless, depending on how it looks and who it looks against, uh, would would be acceptable in my eyes. But I know fans won't like the three in a row thing. Yeah, Jason, you're right about that. I mean, there were so many close close losses for State where just one little thing went wrong and it ended the game. But don't forget, they also, you know, came back from down 28-3 to and uh, blocked a game-winning field goal against Louisiana Tech, stuff like that. So it kind of balanced itself out last year. But point taken, they were close to being much better record-wise than they were. First bomb of the year, Tim Elko. Tim Elko will hit Ole Miss's first home run this year. Chase says uh, Kevin Graham. State's first home run, Cameron James. We got a couple people on the radio show that said the the same thing. So looking forward to seeing him play this year because apparently State fans are just high through the roof on this kid. So uh, I can't wait to watch. Let's see. South Carolina schedule Georgia State at Arkansas, Georgia, Charlotte. That won't be easy. Uh, Will Healy's done a nice job there. South Carolina State, they also have to go to Kentucky and Florida and Clemson. Dude, see, I think South Carolina's might be a little it, – it's worth talking about for sure. But, yeah, State trading Vanderbilt for Georgia just is unfortunate. Just really unfortunate. Most comfortable in the biggest stage, Ole Miss closer. Um, was it Aaron – who was it? Now i got to look it up. His name's escaping me. I should remember this. This I should remember stuff like this. I, I just don't um, off the top of my head. And the second I pull the, the name up, you'll know who I'm talking about. But going back to 2014, the, uh, the Washington Regional, where there was a rain delay. Oh, my gosh. Weathersby. Scott Weathersby. That may be a that may be a little hot takey, but when you have an hour rain delay and you come back out and you still deliver to win the regional, that's that would be my guy. That would be my guy. Uh I respect 
I like people that are creating college football content in February. Maryland's schedule is not more difficult than Auburn and Arkansas's and Texas A&M's and South Carolina's and Alabama's. It is not. But I can see why they put Mississippi State there, no doubt. No uh, no doubt. William C., I, I think that I think Joe Burrow will be back because really all they need is offensive line. That's all they need. Um, that's it. Uh, they've got everything else, and they need to replace Eli Apple. Uh, but all they have to do is draft offensive line, and uh, and they'll be there. That's all they have to do. So anyway, uh, I'll talk about Major League Baseball in a short. I will make a I'll make a short tomorrow and uh, and talk about Major League Baseball. They are planning on gutting, or they are trying to gut the minor league system. I'll uh, I'll read you the headline, and then uh, and then I've got to go. But uh, here's the headline. This is from Jeff Passan. Major League Baseball asked for the ability to eliminate hundreds of minor league player, minor league players, minor league playing jobs in its latest labor proposal, according to sources close to him. Uh, the plan would be implemented after 2022. Said currently teams can roster 180 domestic minor league players. The league is seeking the ability for the commissioner's office to reduce it to below 150. Technically, they could add to the number, but they they want to shrink it. Um, Two teams have fewer than 150 already, and five teams have more than 180. The uh, Players Association, which would have to agree to this, only represents major leaguers, but still, I mean, a lot of those guys had to go through the minors as well. So... That sucks. That would really suck. So we'll talk. I'll, I'll make a short tomorrow, probably about that. But there's uh, there's your unfortunate headline for the night. Major League Baseball is wanting to continue to gut its minor league system. Um, that's uh, that's a shame. But anyway, Cam James Chase says is the next guy for state. Well, it's a it's a nice refreshing change from Tanner or Logan or Allen. You know. <laughs> we get away from Tanner Logan and Allen. And uh yeah, man, I'm excited to watch him. Friday, two o'clock. We have to do a radio show that day despite all of our stations being covered up by baseball, so we're just gonna kick back and put the streams on and just talk about them. Can't wait. Um and yeah, I saw that that Twitter video. If you're gonna talk, you better be able to walk. Or else something like that's gonna happen. Reaping and sowing and stuff like that. But anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to like the video. I appreciate all of you. I'll be back on Wednesday night, and uh, I'll see you then. Y'all have a good one. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.